You're listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 2. And welcome to episode two of season four of Customer Perspective. This is our Ipsos podcast series where we get to explore all things customer experience and channel performance. So I'm Helen Wilson. I'm the Global Chief Experience Officer for our Ipsos CX and Channel Performance business here at Ipsos. And I am joined by Trevor Clark from our Canadian CX team and by Catherine Burton and Jean-Francois Demay, who are authors of our latest white paper, Bridging the Brand Experience Gap how to align brand promise and customer experience for business success. Welcome to you all. So I think our listeners will likely know you, JF, but just in case we've got some new listeners in, it would be lovely to hear from both you and Catherine as to who you are, uh, what what you do with us here at Ipsos. So perhaps, Catherine, if I could turn to you first, just to get a bit more of an understanding of, of where you're coming from. Sure, thanks. And thank you, Helen. And hello, everyone. So my name is Catherine Burton, and I actually work for the the Brand Health Tracking Service line, um, more specifically the Offer and Innovation team. um, And my role is uh, equity lead. So my focus is on our brand equity products at Ipsos. And my role really is to ensure that the equity measurement solutions that we offer our clients are relevant for today and give our clients the insights that they need to create strategies that will allow them to grow strong and successful brands. Um, and I'm lucky enough to be working and living in Cape Town, the mother city of South Africa. Thank you so much, Catherine. And Jeff, I will, we will tell from your accent that you're not in Cape Town, but tell us a little bit about who you are and where you are. Yes. Um, hello, everyone. So I'm Jean-François Adamé. I'm a Global Chief Research Officer for the Customer Experience Division at Ipsos. Um, so as part of my role, I'm in charge of the R&D um, globally for customer experience and also uh, analytics. I've been in research for about uh, a bit more than 15 years now. Uh, I am indeed French, but I was based in the UK for 15 years before that. And I think it's my fourth time in uh, on Customer Perspective. Um, so very, very happy to be back. And this time, uh, even happier to be back with Catherine. Okay, fourth time. So I guess you're vying with Jamie Thorpe as to who's our most frequent guest. So yeah, battle on our hands. Um, and we're missing you in London, Jeff. I'm obviously, I know our French team are delighted that you're there, but we're, we're missing you in London. I want to know what led you to writing this paper? What was it that you were seeing that meant you came together to write Bridging the Brand Experience Gap? Tell me more. So I think um, for me, you know, the main thing is, is that we put people at the heart of everything that we do. Um, And it really means about understanding people and how they form relationships with brands. And what I found so interesting thinking back now is uh, in all my experience in working with, with brands and in research, it's really interesting how different models and techniques and even sometimes organizations are structured around specific aspects of brand management and delivery. Um, But at the end of the day, people, consumers, don't really see it that way. And because people are at the heart of of what we do, they don't separate our brand and product and stock issues or friendly staff or their experiences. It's all really intertwined for them. It's all together as one and the brand. 
And we also know from all of our research and really our philosophy around how people connect with brands is that the way people feel about a brand is um, based on so many different things. It's about what the brand does. It's what the brand, the brand says. It's what other people say um, and do. If you think about what people say on social media, um, and it's also a function of how people use and experience a brand. And so many of these things we we factor into brand research. But I think what we really needed to to get to was the experience part. And and for us in brand health tracking, we really needed to find a way to bring in the customer experience dimension even more because we we've always known that it's a, a key crucial part in terms of how people feel about brands. And I think the the other thing that that really spurred us on with this development is the fact that we have a changing context on our hands thanks to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and our, our context as people has changed dramatically and so has the context of brands. And really, this has led to some dramatic behavior change from a people point of view. And it's made us rethink the way we do things. It's, it's made us more sensitized in terms of the decisions that we make. We're really having to re-engage our brains and be much more deliberative in, in the sort of, you know, our, our usual behavior, which, which was rather routine. And um, a lot of our latest trends are, are showing that people are at different stages of dealing with the pandemic. And some people are opening up and, and beginning to return to a little bit of what they used to do before coronavirus. They're starting to eat out again. They're starting to travel again. And I think with you know our, our new context and with um, with our heightened sense of you know making decisions and, and evaluating things, we really need to make sure that brands are in a good position to be able to deliver on what people have uh, or what people are coming to expect from delivery. So it's the context, it's the people, it's the way that we do things, and I think this has all come together. Um, in, in, a, in a really interesting way. And we've been able to see some very fascinating things in the work that we've done recently. Yeah, and, and for me, I mean, I fully agree with what Catherine said. For me, it's it's about the, you know, the, the, the role of the customer experience in the whole ecosystem of, of influences when it comes to brand choice. So, and, you know, I'm sure Trevor and, and Helen, you'll agree, you know, we, we all recognize the importance of customer experience, but I think it's fair to say that, you know, historically, Customer experience was pretty much seen in a fairly transactional way, you know, with you know focusing on the functional aspects. And I think now um, there's a clearer realization um, that CX is more than a delivery process. It's really an opportunity to create uh, stronger brands. Um, and I think the importance of CX is becoming a bit more obvious. And um, and it's not just for services. You know, even if FMCG companies now, um, you know, really invest in customer experience, we've got direct to consumer, uh, which means that, um, you know, FMCG brands have to create, they have to have a vision in terms of customer experience. They have to create an experience that uh, that really lives up to the, the promise that they're making um, to, to the market and to their, their, their customers across the board. So, and the other aspect that I think I think led us to really think that there was a need for a co coherent framework around brand and CX is the fact that whilst we talk about the different marketing instruments um, that are you know a brand's disposal to influence brand choice, so we talk about identity, for example, which is you know creating distinctive assets to make um, you know the choice toward the brand easier. We talk about perception, of course. Brands invest massive amounts of money to try and create perceptions. And of course, we talk about experience, but for us, it was more having a framework that recognized the importance of uh, for these three marketing instruments to work together. In other words, you know, the overall goal being to create 
customer experience that um, drives positive perception, that reflects the brand identity, and and overall that sort of contributes to um, to the to, to reinforcing the key values that a brand stands for. Your descriptions make so much sense when you talk about the um, the brand and the way that it interacts with experience. How are clients using the output to to make their internal business decisions? What questions are they asking you? So there's actually quite a few um, questions. So first, if we want to concretely to define what Brand CX forces is, um, it is a, a conceptual and also an analytical framework that helps organizations bridge that gap, you know, the gap between what, what, what the brand says and what it actually does on, on the delivery side. Um, so it's about trying to help clients better align their brand building and their customer experience strategies or activities, all that to try and, and create stronger brands. So the first question, I guess, that we're trying to answer is, how do I manage to align my CX and my brand activities so that they resonate and drive positive outcomes? So first, you know, is it, is the brand delivering on the promise? Are there any gaps uh, or not? If there are gaps, you know, what are the key levers that I can pull to try and close that gap? Um, and fundamentally, that concept of resonance for, for us is key. You know, the, the resonance is almost like, cases where one plus one is you know greater than two. Um, and it's all about um, how do I design, how do I optimize my customer experience so that it constantly reinforces the key value that the brand stands for. And then another uh, very common question that we're getting is how do I best allocate as a marketing uh, manager or an exec, how do I best allocate my spend across acquisition and, and retention uh, to maximize growth? So, of course, if you want to, to grow a brand, you need to acquire uh, more customers. But in a way, uh, there's little point in investing in acquiring customers if you don't then invest in keeping these customers by creating a relationship, by growing a relationship with them. And the framework enables us to sort of quantify the value of retention and also the value of uh, potential targets um, you know, if they are to be converted, uh, and 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 understanding that um, that sort of allocation um, really is a good way to try and, and prioritize spend on either uh, retention or acquisition strategies. Um, and I would say the last one is once we've decided on on an overall sort of strategic direction, acquisition, retention, sometimes both, of course, um, is how do I build targeted acquisition. Uh, and retention strategy. So the framework goes further in that it analyzes the strengths and the weaknesses of various brands in the market, um, looks at customers that might be at risk or opportunities, and that can help us create targeted acquisition or retention strategies. The researcher in me wants to take it even further. So can you get into how does it work in practice? How do we actually put this in place for clients? So we we have two essential components, uh, which are essentially made up of our flagship assets that we use a lot in brand health tracking and in customer experience. Um, so these these assets are really entrenched in both the, the brand health tracking and CX world. And we bring these two together in our brand CX forces measurement system. So brand value creator is our equity measurement system that has powerful validated links to the real world. Um, and what this really means is that if you influence the, the BBC metrics, you'll see a result in the real world and hence results for your brand's bottom line, which is, which is obviously crucial. So the, the brand value creator gives us the holistic competitive view. So you would define your market. You will include all the brands that make up the market that you're, that you're um, speaking about and that you want to measure. 
Um, and so we're able to get competitive intelligence uh, this way as well, because we're not only measuring the, the brand of interest, we're measuring all the brands in the market as well. So this is this is really fantastic, not only to understand how your brand is doing, but how all brands are performing in the market. So brand value creator really is, it's our super comprehensive equity measurement system. Um, and with it, there there's so many different parts uh, that, that make up and create equity. And with the BBC system, we can diagnose the source of a brand's strength um, by deconstructing, deconstructing these essential building blocks of equity. So that really helps us to, to figure out, you know, fundamentally, where does a brand need to focus in, in order to grow? But when we bring in the forces of CX, which is the science of strong relationships, and uh, Jean-Francois can tell us some more about that in a minute, um, we really can do some super deep, interesting analyses, which can help our clients pinpoint specifically what they needed to need to be able to do to, to grow their brands uh, from a customer experience perspective as well. When we put brand perceptions and we, we put brand identity, and we put the um, experience together, we can create and tell really powerful stories for our clients, which will enable them to grow strong and successful brands. So, JF, if you want to just... Tell us a little bit more about the forces of CX. Yeah, I think, and then I think you you, you introduced it very well. It's a, it's a framework that that's rooted in in behavioral science, um, and it's all about relationships. So we use it um, to try and help clients drive or create stronger relationship with their with their customers, and it's it's based on um, the identification of, of 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 key fundamental needs, both functional and relational or emotional. And we know from all the R&D and the science behind the model that these dimensions are very important um, at explaining why a relation, relationship nurtures or not. Without going into too much detail, you know, we talk about things like fair treatment. Uh, we talk about the desire for certainty, being in control, being appreciated and recognized, so a sense of status. We talk about belonging and we talk also about enjoyment. So. In all the R&D that we've done, these sort of six dimensions have got a very good explanatory power of, of relationship strengths. But the interesting bit is that the, the, the relative importance of, the, of these forces varies depending on the sector, sometimes depending on the types of clients. And so as part of the, the framework that, that we've introduced, we can do some analysis to understand overall, um, you know, what are the key sort of forces that clients should focus, focus on. And for me, the, the really interesting bit is that although we call them the forces of CX, because the actual delivery of the experience can have a positive or negative impact on them, they can also be influenced by you know, brand building and communication. So as a marketer, you can try and create a sense of certainty through your communication. But once again, if you don't then deliver that certainty through the experience, that's going to create some sort of violation of expectations. There's going to be a, a, what we call a say-do gap. So I think for me, the forces of CX are crucial because they are almost the intersection between the customer experience delivery and also all the brand building exercises. What can clients expect as they come out the other side of this analysis, um, especially with brand value creator, um, not as familiar with that as we are maybe as the CS forces? What do clients expect coming out the other side? First, I mean, the, the, the brand value creator is a great sort of solution to really understand across the market um, the strengths and weaknesses uh, um, of different brands. And also the reasons why you know, some brands are strong, uh, why they're likely to grow or where they're likely to decline. So you really, you know, to start with, that's uh, one of the first outputs is that sort of holistic view of brand equity and its drivers for all brands in the competitive context. 
And then when we bring in some of the CX metrics, then we can assess for each brand in the market how safe or at risk um, customers are. Uh, so we can segment customers from each brands, uh, from each brand to try and, and understand, you know, um, the, the propensity to leave. And then we can segment and we can profile these customers to see, you know, how they look like. Um, and so that can be quite interesting to identify the customers that have got the highest potential to grow in the future and also the customers that are most likely to defect to another brand. Um, and then I think for me, that's probably the, the, the most central part of the analysis is about identifying any gaps between the brand promise and the delivery. Um, so we do some analysis where we look at each brand in the market, we, we measure their appeal, if you want, and we also measure the, the how, how well they deliver their promise on the ground. Um, and so we can create an analysis that can you know, help identify the brands that have got their brand and CX in line, resonating, and also the brands that well, for, 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 for which there is a gap. But of course, once we've identified the gap, and that's probably the last part of the analysis, is to try and create action plans to close that gap. And that's where, again, you know, the forces of customer experience, um, together with some key perceptual um, um, elements as well, are key to try and diagnose, you know, which parts of, of, brand, of the brand or of the CX elements are driving that gap. Um, and so that's quite a fundamental part of the analysis. Um, and finally, as well, it's, it's about providing guidance for acquisition and retention strategies across channels and touch points. So you've spoken about the business questions. You've talked about how it works in practice. You've talked about, in effect, the, the, the outcomes, as it were, if one's doing this kind of work. But can you, I guess, bring it to life for us even more so? Do you have an example, a real-life example, where you've put Brand Six Forces to work? Tell us more. Last year, we, we had an opportunity to, to, to fund some research in Canada. Trevor, your, your home city, in fact, yes, was uh, yes, yes. running Ontario, to be, yeah. to be honest. Um, and it, it was really interesting. We decided to, to, to do this research in the grocery retailer category. And the reason why we chose it was because COVID had, had just sort of made a, made a bit of a stronghold. And, you know, as I said earlier, people's context were changing, their behavior was changing. And in our brand health tracking work, we had picked up that there were some shifting dynamics in, in terms of brand equity. Um, and we felt that it was going to be really interesting, exciting to put our, our solution, Brand CX Forces, to the test in this market, in this particular situation. And uh, we, we found some really, really interesting results. So we had um, we had a growing competitor brand, which um, at, at the time before we started the research was, was actually at position number three. It was doing pretty well and was becoming much more popular uh, given coronavirus and people's uh, lack of um, wanting to go out and, and buy their groceries. Um, and at the same time, we saw that the, the market leading brand was was beginning to be a, a bit vulnerable. And we were very intrigued to see if our brand CX forces approach could shed some light and, uh, and help us figure out what might actually happen in the future. So... The analysis showed us that actually by the time that we had done the research, the number three brand had in fact grown to the number two position. And what we had found through our brand value creator equity analysis is that actually the, the number one leading brand and the now number two brand were actually the same in terms of their attitudinal desire. So the level of desirability for these two brands was in fact the same in the market. Um, but what our brand CX forces analysis showed us was that actually the 
uh, the market leading brand was not delivering so well on customer expectations. Um, And that was obviously particularly problematic because, you know, people were needing to feel safe and respected and they they were needing to feel that they need that they were able to get what they needed um, at a time which they were feeling vulnerable and at risk. Um, And conversely, what we had found is that even though from an equity perspective, these two brands were on a pretty equal footing, the second ranked brand um, was showing growth potential. They had more people that were committed to the brand um, and they were really delivering really, really well on their promises. So the the promise and delivery was very much aligned. And we found that this brand had, um, had really good prospects for even further growth potential, which was really exciting. So through the through the, um, the the whole experience, we were able to to pinpoint what sort of strategies the market leading brand would need to put in place to uh, basically make sure that none of their existing customers were going to be at risk of of defecting, which was a real threat to the brand at that point in time. And we were able to tell them, you know, what sort of experiential elements they really needed to. Um, deliver on so that their customers were not feeling like there was a gap between what the brand was promising to deliver and what they were actually delivering. And then at the same time, because, uh, you know, we were we were just interested in these brands, we were then able to say for the for the second ranked brand, the up and coming brand, what it is that they could do in the face of the, the, the current competitive context, what they could do to even grow their business further, given that there was all this potential that was to be had. So that was really exciting that we were able to uncover, you know, even even deeper stories and and um, more specific direction for these two brands, which on the surface looked the same, but actually below the surface they looked um, incredibly different. So it was a really really wonderful story for us to be able to tell. And in fact, we've we've just seen some results um, from another study that came from from Brazil um, from a fashion retailer brand. And uh, this particular brand was showing great promise up against uh, tough competition. Um, and for this particular client, they really needed some insight in terms of how to grow the brand and how to be more successful with in, in a market which was characterized by three very strong competitors. And uh, what we found through our analysis is that they were, in fact, exceeding expectations on their delivery. So, you know, when, when people were buying from the store, they were absolutely delighted in terms of how they were experiencing the brand. And so through the whole diagnosis of, of what they needed to do, we found that actually they just needed to get more people into the door to experience the brand. Because what we were able to, to demonstrate is that when people come into the brand, they become shoppers, they actually become committed customers um, because of the experience that they have at this particular store. So yeah, very exciting indeed. It's it's early days still, and we've we've just seen some results coming from some work that we've done in the in the UK in the telco market. And uh, JF and I are going to be digging into the detail there very soon. But I think the one highlight for me in this particular one was the fact that fair treatment is a crucial category driver of brand desire here. And um, but furthermore, when you have a look at the different brands. It's, um, it's actually very clear that each brand has a, a little bit of a, a, a different relational element to focus on. So the forces of CX are very much at play in terms of driving up brand desirability, um, but they're not the same across all of the brands. So each of them will have a slightly different strategy to employ if they, if they want to grow their brands and become stronger and more successful in the future. What are the key takeaways that we should be thinking about as we consider brand CX forces? 
I mean, for me, one of um, one of the key takeaways, and I think we've we've touched on that a couple of times um, throughout this podcast, is the the uh, the idea of silos. And we know that silos are present in organizational structures, um, but if you think about brand and CX, uh, I really don't think that there there are any sort of silos in in, in customers' heads, you know, in consumers' heads. If you think about um, it is actually the interplay between what a brand promises and what it delivers on the ground that can explain a large part, a large part of, uh, of, of uh, which brands um, a customer will, will choose in the long run. Absolutely, JF. Um, I, I think that that's really, really important. And, you know, um, there, there, there was uh, some research that was uh, highlighted on a, on, a, on a previous podcast um, about the, the Mind the Gap paper. And this really shows that in order to drive stronger relationship with customers and and reduce churn and switching behavior, brands really need to deliver on their promises. And I think I think this is so crucial because at the end of the day, you know, people are primed to to seek positive outcomes. And if brands fail to deliver, it's obviously going to lead to some disappointment. But I think more importantly is that when ex, ex customer expectations are violated attitudinal and behavioral adjustments can follow. And we've seen this in our work. So when brands consistently fail to deliver on what they promise, we've seen that customer relationships begin to erode and and they can even fail outright over time, which means that consumers will just simply switch to another brand. And given the fact that we have so many competing brands and so many available choices, you know, the barriers to switching are really low in many, many categories. And I think this is just something that brands cannot afford to allow. Um, but at the same time, we have seen that when brands consistently reinforce the brand promise, people grow, grow close to the brand and they use it more in the future, which which is fantastic. And, and we know that when people are more committed to brands, they spend more money on the brands. And of course, that's uh, the best thing for a brand in, in terms of the revenue and the bottom line. Um, so I think to be able to have a survey which allows us to combine the best of, of what we can understand in terms of building strong brands with the science of strong relationships and what we can bring from, from customer experience, we, we really have um, the ability to tell really powerful and beautiful stories for our clients to, to get their grant brands to be on the right brand growth trajectory in the future. You see, Catherine, as you were speaking, and Jeff, I was I was writing my notes as to what do I see as the key takeaways, but you've just expressed them, both of you, so beautifully that I'm going to stop it there, other than to say, JF, you are so coming back for the fifth time. Catherine, you are so coming back for the second time. Apart from anything else, it's this beautiful match made in heaven that I see coming from, from both you representing brand and customer experience together. So thank you. And I, and I want to hear more about that UK telco example as well to take us into another field. So if you want to know more about that, which Catherine and Jean-Francois have been describing, if you want to know more about brand CX forces specifically and to read their paper, Bridging the Brand Experience Gap, then there's a link in the podcast copy. And of course, there's a copy of the paper over on ipsos.com. So if that's if you want to know more, if you want to know less, Catherine, I think you discussed this subject. I, I Was it seven minutes or eight minutes on a recent Ipsos key webinar? So, so if you want to know less, you can go to that. So you can either have the seven-minute version, you can have the 30-minute version, or you can have the sit by your fireside and read the long thought leadership piece. So I think we've pretty much got all bases covered, particularly seriously, because you talked to about how you address those 
business questions. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, how you drive the right outcomes from an acquisition point of view and indeed from a retention point of view to drive brand growth, as you both so beautifully described. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. New episodes will be made available every two weeks, so make sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get the episodes sent straight to you. We're also available on Spotify. Spotify.